Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Hey, it's Rachel Cook, your modern mentor. I'm the founder of Lead Above Noise, a firm specializing in activating teams, driving both high performance and high engagement. And today, I'm excited to share with you a conversation that I had with Laura Fravel, expert in executive branding and communication for leaders wanting to amplify their voices and spark change. Laura helps others cross their comfort zone to elevate their voice with purpose, to create connection, influence, and their version of changing the world for good. She's helped executives from Adidas, Techstars, Warner Brothers, and more. And her background in media informs the work she does today. Having turned seemingly ordinary people into extraordinary stories for National Geographic and Netflix to Amazon and the New York Times, she's seen the true power one person's story can have to spark and inspire change, to even change the world. So let's hear what Laura had to say. Laura Fravel, thank you so much for joining me today on the Modern Mentor Podcast. It is a pleasure to have you with me. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Rachel. So I have to tell you, you know, before we dive in, you and I were chatting a little bit and I was talking about how there is so much of an appetite right now for any kind of insight or tips or tools we can get around communication in the workplace because it has gotten messy and confusing and the boundaries are really, really unclear. And so to have a real life communication coach here on the show with me, I am so excited to dive in. I'm I'm doing my Dr. Evil fingers right now. (laughs) I always love our conversations too. So I'm excited. (laughs) Amazing. So Laura, before we get to sort of your current wisdom and the things that you're teaching and bringing into organizations, I want to talk a little bit about your background, not necessarily because I want to hear everything about your childhood, but although maybe sometime we'll do that, but you have a background in TV and media, which is, you know, flat out just kind of a sexy thing. But what I think is so interesting about that right now is that there's so much in the ether around the importance of making connections and telling stories and bringing emotions into work. And I, I'm guessing you probably learned a lot about that back in your days in TV and media. So I would love to start there, maybe hear a little bit about what media and TV taught you back in the day about what makes for really powerful communication. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things I love so much about what I do now is that I can bring that TV and media experience in. So I spent probably almost 20 years in TV and media from National Geographic to Discovery to some more journalistic type outlets to Netflix. 
Um, so it was more documentary, real people, interviewing real people, developing stories, lines around real, real people. And some of them were, you know, Jane Goodall and Paul Allen. And a lot of them were just everyday, you know, the person next door. And I think one of the things I took away the most is no matter who I interviewed, what the topic was, what the culture, socioeconomic background, gender, you name it, everyone had a story worth telling. Everyone. I think it's all in a matter of finding that through line and knowing what that through line is and what to leave out, what to edit out of your story. And that is how we truly connect. I mean, TV and media has been doing it for a century, telling stories to connect to their audiences. And the business world, they've kind of done it, but they really, really didn't start embracing it probably until around 2010-ish. And since then, it's kind of skyrocketed. Super interesting. And I think that that's right. I mean, sometimes the stories that we end up finding the most compelling are actually they can be very small and very quiet. They don't mm-hmm. have to be super full of action. I love your point about understanding what to edit out. And we are, I think we're going to get to that in a little bit. I think sometimes we don't know, or we haven't maybe put the thought into what are the points of this story that are going to feel connective, that are going to move people that feel relevant. And what are the details that I just need to let go of because they're not moving us forward or somebody isn't going to connect with them. So I'm excited for us to chat about that a little bit. I think that at core, it's really about that connection and trust. So how do you get someone, you know, bringing it back to communication a bit more, how do you get someone to listen to you and really move them to action um, to have that influence? It is really, you can have amazing expertise and knowledge and skills But if you're not connecting with someone, they're not going to be as or as quickly open to what you have to offer or how you can help. So how do we first build that connection and trust with people to then really be able to help them to use our skills to influence them? So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, you, you made the comment that the workplace has really started paying attention to this since maybe around 2010. But I think we can probably all agree it was right around 2020 that, you know, really focusing on the importance of connection and trust, right? When the world suddenly turned upside down and suddenly we've we've lost overnight, we have lost the gift of physical proximity, of being together, of reading body language and cues. We're living in kind of fear and uncertainty. And I think the name of the game as far as communication really shifted in 2020. And so... And, you know, now things are are starting to settle, but, you know, how we work, when and where we work is still very much up in the air. There aren't necessarily the same norms around geographic togetherness that there used to be. And so talk to us a little bit about, you know, what does it take to build that trust and connection in a relationship? Let's talk about in a hybrid virtual world, and then let's also talk about in an in-person world. I kind of love what COVID has done in the sense of our communication, in particular in the business world, because I was always one who I think hated being in that box in the corporate world. I mean, traditionally, you're in the corporate professional world, you're supposed to act a certain way and dress a certain way and, you know, use a certain biz language or you didn't feel like an expert 
I think it was already changing, but COVID just fast forwarded that movement. And I think there's the real opportunity. So kind of COVID along with, I think, the younger generations who are coming behind or coming up, they demand more authenticity, vulnerability, transparency. So I think in terms of communication, I think that's where our world has really changed. And that's where I think there's an opportunity to really show up more authentic nowadays, which is amazing, but really hard at the same time for people. I was going to say in the virtual hybrid world, you know, 55% of our communication is through body language. So, and when we're not seeing, you know, a good part of our body and our hands and our posture and our stance, it definitely, you have to be, I think, a lot more intentional in the way you connect. Yeah. Absolutely. So can you talk to us a little bit about that sort of need and that appetite for authenticity and when you're working with leaders and in particular, maybe even leaders that are more tenured, they're more seasoned, they've been in the workplace longer and they grew up in in that culture you described of, you know, business was business and we were professional and we spoke business speak. And now we're asking leaders who grew up in that world to show up with authenticity and vulnerability. And that's that's not so easy for everybody. And so what are some tips that you're offering to leaders today who feel kind of unsure or uncomfortable in there? Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely a challenge, not for everybody, but for a lot of leaders. And I think it really is crucial for the leaders to at least try to embrace some of that. How do they show up authentic? I think part of it is really pausing and saying, hey, who am I and what do I stand for? What do I want to be known for in my work? But also, what are those things that light you up and that you're really passionate about that you can bring into the work you're doing right now? Um, How can I share a little bit more of me, my personality, my personal life? And that doesn't mean you have to divulge all. I think that's where some people get really confuse the difference between authenticity and vulnerability too. So you get to choose how vulnerable you want to be. You don't have to, if you're going through a work struggle or a personal life struggle, you're going through a divorce or cancer, you don't have to sit here and, you know, divulge and gush all of your struggles in the moment. A lot of times what I tell people is, Once you've been through a challenge, it's better to share it when you're on the other end of the challenge, not in the midst of the challenge. Because then you can say, hey, I relate. I had this challenge. I hear you. You might be going through the same thing. And you can give some takeaways, some hope. I think that's really helpful. We were talking at the beginning about just the importance of storytelling and how do we find our story. I once heard somebody say that the best memoirs if you're into reading memoirs, I heard somebody say the best memoirs are ones that are written pretty far after the events that happened. And so the memoir is not just a retelling of the events, it's a reflection and it's an extraction of the insights and the lessons learned. And it's, it's been processed. Um, And I think that there is something to that, like sharing things, not necessarily that we've just lived through, but that we've processed and we have something to teach or to share. So I think that's a super interesting observation. Absolutely. And you don't have to even necessarily in the business world, share your personal life. I think it's easier for the younger generations, but the older generations in leadership, 
you know, you can just say, hey, I want to be known for helping young leaders rise up in the workforce, or I want to be known for pushing forward, you know, succession planning. There's things you can still be passionate about and not step into the personal realm if you really, truly don't want to go there. You know, show up with perspective. I like to say perspective, personality, purpose. Oh, I love that. Perspective, personality, and purpose. That is a very clean and simple framework. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through... It's true magic, because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Are you a PR professional, journalist, marketer, or writer? Then you know the importance of Associated Press style. And you also know the frustration of keeping up with its ever-changing rules and recommendations. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl, and to help you with those challenges, I've created a course that you and your team don't want to miss. It covers the latest updates to AP style, and we even talk about the new AP guidelines for writing about and experimenting with AI. And we have a special deal running right now. If you purchase the on-demand course with the code MCMILL, that's M-A-C-M-I-L, you get a $90 discount. So whether you're working on a pitch, a business agreement, or a story, don't let embarrassing writing mistakes hold you back. Get the course at bit.ly slash grammar on demand, all lowercase, and sign up with the code McMill. What about for leaders who are leading virtual or hybrid teams at this point, and they are trying to sort of find the balance between bringing people together for meaningful conversations, productive conversations, but then also setting some boundaries and giving people some space and some independence and not feeling like they're stuck on Zoom all day. What are some tips that you're offering to leaders who are leading hybrid teams? And maybe they're just looking for some suggestions on how to how to amplify the experiences they're creating. Such a good question. It's like the million dollar question these days, isn't it? <laughs> Yes. I come from the perspective that quality is better than quantity. We say that like when raising our children too, right? So being more intentional with creating experiences, you know, bringing the team together once a quarter for a small on or offsite retreat or twice a year and really having more intentional experiences where you can come together, bond, build as a team open up, share, create that sense of belonging and thriving while also giving them freedom on the day-to-day, you know, still holding them accountable. And I think a little bit more on the day-to-day basis as a leader, you do have to be a little bit more intentional of 
creating connection, asking questions, being curious, being curious about your workers, who they are, what they're up to, and not just the task at hand. Because um, we don't have that water cooler situation. We're not going out to happy hours after work as much. And if you think about it, that's where we really connect and bond with people. That's where we're a little more authentic. That's where our stories come out. And that's how we build that connection and trust. Yeah. And from connection and trust, it come great results, right? And great innovation. Because if we want our people to um, present their best ideas. They have to feel safe in in speaking them up. If we want people to ask the quote unquote dumb questions, we have to build that trust so that they know they're free to ask the question and we're not going to judge the question. We are going to listen with curiosity and without defense, right? And I love you make a really good point that I think it's two part. It's creating the safe space, which a lot of companies really focus on creating that safe space of belonging for people to be able to share the voice, feel comfortable. But I think there's also, we also need to empower the indi- individual. You know, have you paused? Do you know what your perspective is? Do you know how to articulate your ideas in a succinct way? So I think it's, we have to empower, build thriving communities and empower the team and empower the individual. And do you have any tips that you offer individuals? So if somebody comes to you and says, you know what, I'm I really am trying to work up the courage to present this idea, but I'm having trouble sort of distinguishing the single the signal from the noise, right? How do I how do I pick which which details to include and which to edit? Do you have any kind of guardrails that around that that you can offer? Well, like before any presentation talk, um, event meeting, I would say really sit down and if you could get across one thing and only one thing in this meeting, what would it be? There's your key message. And being, I think the thing is we go into presentations and meetings, not with a lot of intention. A lot of times we're busy, you know, not to any of our faults. But if you can think about that one key message, if you don't get a chance to say anything else, what do you want everyone to take away? And then after that, create a couple, two, three, four key talking points, other key takeaways that you want people to come away with. So if you can really narrow it down to that and stay focused and bring everything back to those, it's, it, it helps. It gives you some guardrails. So let's talk a little bit about this idea of influence. You had mentioned it earlier, and I think that you even have a workshop that you do on I do. Um, influencing. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit with us about, you know, what does it take to communicate, not just to transmit information, but to change the way that somebody feels about something, to persuade somebody to change their mind, to invest in a solution, whatever that might look like. What are some tips you can share with us? And I love that you said feels, because I think that's what it is. That's what it all was all about in kind of my TV media world is the whole goal was to make the audience feel something. You know, the number one question, what do you want them to feel? So I think when we influence, we have so much influence in so many parts of our life, even our personal life. We want to influence our our partner, our spouse, or our children, or uh, our friends to go to a certain restaurant. And in the business world, it's everything from, you know, do you want to have influence in your industry as a thought leader? Or how do I have influence over my team or get my idea forward? We all have this expertise. We have this knowledge, these skills. And usually often what we do is we want to just 
gush all of our knowledge and show all of our expertise. But I think we, there, I think there's two things. One, you have to know the audience you're speaking to. So first and foremost, who am I speaking to? And my expertise, my knowledge, what impact will that bring to that audience? Like, what do they want to hear and need to hear? How can I, what's the result? And that's where I think most people, if they get past the expertise, stop. Here's my expertise. Here's how I can help you. But I think the piece so many people forget is that kind of going back to that connection and trust before these people are going to listen to me before, oh, great, you get me, you have expertise. How are you going to stand out from everyone else? How are you going to actually move them to want to pursue your idea over someone else's or follow you in your industry? It's building that connection and trust. And I think it really comes back to kind of storytelling. You know, how are you showing up authentically, sharing a little bit more about you to really move your audience? And then what about in sort of the nuts and bolts part of it? So let's say that you are presenting a new idea at work, right? So you're sitting in front of your boss and maybe some of your boss's peers and you're presenting this idea. And so let's say you do start with a little bit of that trust building and connection. You share a personal story, not overly personal, but just a detail or two about your life. You find something that maybe you have in common with some of the folks in the room and you've sort of you've started to establish that openness and that trust. And so now they're listening. What comes next in terms of now do you just transition into kind of data mode or asking mode or how do you stand on the foundation of the trust that you've built um, and continue to facilitate the conversation such that it ends wherever you hope it ends? That's a great question. Well, I'll also point out it's not always about sharing personal stories. You can also share stories of clients you've worked with. So, you know, say you work in um, creating software solutions for companies and you could go into a meeting, present, oh my gosh, how many of you have gotten dinged by Slack, text, email, phone, WhatsApp, then like number of communication makes me want to scream. I was just working with, you know, our client, Jim, and we implemented that new solution we, our team came up with, and they are down to one channel Slack, and they are loving it. So you can even tell a story like that. So, you know, you set up the problem, which we can all relate to. Oh, my gosh, it's climax. Ah, we want to pull our hair out. We have this person who, you know, was going crazy, and here's the solution. So, yes, and then... Here's the statistics and information to support that. Here are the statistics of how his team increased pro- productivity by X amount of money or X, X percent. And it, it doesn't take much, but I think once you open with that, and it also depends on how much you know the audience and already have connection and trust with the audience as well. Can we talk a little bit about confidence? I know that confidence is something that a lot of people struggle with in the workplace. You know, people don't feel like they have the confidence to get up there and speak, or they don't have the confidence to share their idea, or they don't have the confidence to ask somebody senior to go to coffee or to be their coach or be their mentor. I mean, I think there are so many moments in the workplace where people feel like, oh, if I just had the confidence, I could do whatever. 
what tips do you offer people? How do you build confidence? Um, it feels like a little bit of a chicken or an egg problem, right? You get confidence from doing the thing, but you need the confidence to do the thing. And so I do think that there's probably a little bit of a fake it till you make it thing happening there. And I'm just curious how you kind of coach or counsel people who are struggling with that. Well, one, I do want to point out that I have noticed because I worked with, I work with a lot of senior level people as well, that the higher you go, sometimes people have more imposter syndrome and have less confidence, even though outwardly they seem like they have more confidence. Because I think the higher up you go, then there's more eyes on you, there's more pressure on you, and there's more expectation of you to be speaking to a larger amount of people, to be sharing the vision and having more results. So I just want to call that out, that (laughs) I think this is something that affects Everyone in the workplace, kind of like you were just saying, tips, I think it depends a little bit the situation of how I coach people, whether it's just, you know, are you not speaking up in team meetings or are you struggling with standing on stage and giving a talk? But whenever we're taught, one, if you're about to give a presentation, if you're about to speak on stage, have some, I'd say, kick-ass little pre-presentation routine Listen, you know, whether you're the type who needs to listen to calming music and take a few deep breaths or whether you want to rock some awesome kick-ass music and do some jumping jacks, because that always helps get out the nervous energy that we might have, that's, you know, the adrenaline that's rushing through our system. And you bring that like excitement and energy into the meeting, but in a more exciting way instead of a, a nervous way. So that's like simplest, easy things. I think another crucial thing that helps people is, you might've already heard this, the power of the pause. So when we talk and say, um, and like, and use those filler words, and we talk really fast, it does convey a lack of confidence. Whereas if you can pause instead of saying an um, it conveys a lot more you, even if you are not confident, it conveys confidence in your voice. So I even tell people, grab your app on your phone and just practice. Say, hey, I'm about to go to a networking event. I'm going to have to practice introducing myself. Or I have to talk to my boss about such and such. Just record it a couple times on your phone. And each time you hear yourself saying ums, do it over again. But this time, just bringing in awareness okay, I'm going to try to say less ums, us, and pause. So work off some of the energy. Don't be afraid of the pause and spend some time practicing and really listening to yourself. And I think that, you know, I think, I think it's probably feels a little bit more obvious if you're giving a, like a presentation or you're going to be up on stage, but I think even just practicing asking for an introduction or practicing inviting somebody to coffee, I think Practicing anything can give us a sense of doesn't feel so new, doesn't feel so scary when you're doing it for the hundredth time. Nobody else knows that the first 99 times were in a closet when you were by yourself. But exactly. I think there's some very real power in there. Fantastic. Yes. And just challenging yourself, maybe even just once a week. Okay. I'm I've been wanting to ask so-and-so to lunch. Once a week, I'm gonna challenge myself with one of those bold asks. I love that. You know, there was this 
TED Talk that I listened to once, and I, I can't completely remember the name of the speaker, but he was talking about how he had this tremendous fear of rejection, and it was holding him back from doing so many things. And so he started this practice of every single day going in out of his way to do something where he was pretty sure he would be rejected. Um, and he had That's these awesome. two really interesting experiences with it. The first is that people actually said yes, way more than he would have expected. I mean, he would walk into a store and be like, can I have this for 50% off? He would walk up to a stranger and say, can I have your coffee? And <laughs> people would say, it was so weird. And so he learned that A, you're not going to be rejected as often as you think you are, but B, he just got so comfortable with it. You know, now he's afraid of doing nothing because he's just been rejected so many times. It just it just kind of feels regular. He's kind of stripped the the fear and the terror out of it. And so I think there's probably a lesson in there for people who are scared of showing up without confidence. I love that. There's also often a great brain science about how if we push ourselves, take ourselves out of our comfort zone. I mean, even traveling or doing something new in our day-to-day -day routine, working at some new location, that it gets our brains more wired for difference and change, and it makes us a bit more courageous. It's really interesting. So Laura, before we close, I just want to ask, is there anything that feels really important or really essential that you want to make sure people take away from this conversation? Maybe some, maybe a, a practice they can try or a, a tip you want to offer? What would you like to leave people with? You know, I'll leave, I'll leave on a more inspiration note. There's this quote by Helen Keller, which I love, which is, life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. So... <laughs> Just on that note of confidence and being bold and not being afraid of rejecting, I think communication is like that a little bit. We have to be authentic, show ourselves, show up as ourselves, because that's when all of the great stuff in life and work um, and opportunities come towards us. Absolutely. That is a beautiful piece of wisdom. And I thank you for sharing it with us. Well, Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. It has been a pleasure speaking to you and I can't wait to go pause and practice and probably also do some jumping jacks. <laughs> Get an exercise. Always. Thanks so much for spending time with me. It was great chatting. Thanks, Rachel. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Laura Fravel. You can learn more about her and the work she does at laurafravel.com. Join me next week for another great episode. Until then, visit my website at leadabovenoise.com if your organization is looking to dial up its activation. You can follow Modern Mentor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find and follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks so much for listening and have a successful week. Modern Mentor is a quick and dirty tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Dan Firebend. Our director of podcasts is Brandon Getches. Our podcast and advertising operations specialist is Morgan Christensen. Our digital operations specialist is Holly Hutchings. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. And Cameron Lacey is our marketing coordinator. <laughs>